a bad pass. Jason Terry fields it. Two on the shot clock. Terry pulls up for an awkward three. Got it! Man, yes, it's come alive. Here's Pierce. Got it at the free throw line, and he backs up, and he shoots a three. I don't know why Dwight gave him that. He buried it right in Dwight's face. Pierce has 23 first-half points. Burnett, step in the front of Jermaine O'Neal. Celtics have a three-on-one. Avery Bradley for Jeff Green again. Back-to-back. Winner trending, rim-rocking slam by Jeff Green. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening live to the very first episode of the Celtics Beat. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I'm your host, Daniel Baker, and I am joined by Adam Rosenstein, or as you know him, if you listen to CLNS Radio, he is Stats Adam. Hey, how you doing, Daniel? He's doing a great job today. It's like the first episode of the functional himself, and I'm ready to talk about them and the place of the night. Yeah, there is so much Celtics today, Yeah, the three deadline big three deadlines are gonna be picked up guys. They picked up Jordan Crawford and I feel like he's their centerpiece for now as far as, you know, the trade deadline went. He was the one, he was the big piece that came in, you know, not really too big because it turned out to be JJ Reddick as the biggest trade overall. But he's gonna be pretty good for this team off the bench and he showed it on Friday night. Yeah, so with the additions of Jordan Crawford, who can kind of be that real, real, real spark and that scoring spark that the Celtics lost when Leandro Barbosa went down with a torn ACL, that's something to look forward to. Are we going to get the Jordan Crawford who just infuriated Wizards fans uh, over the past couple of years, throwing up shots that only Jordan Crawford can maybe hit and very few other guys can, but also shots that just make you want to shake your head? Or are they going to get the guy who can really be that scoring off the bench that will really, really help take pressure off the second unit? He, you know, it's possible that he could make these crazy shots and be that, uh, you know, end of game scorer for the Celtics if they really need it. And also, he complements Jason Terry in that role off the bench as a big shooter, and he's one of seven players. I saw this on ESPN Stats and Info this past week. One of seven players joining LeBron, Wade, Kobe, Westbrook, Manu Ginobili, and James Harden as the only players this season to average 18 points, four rebounds, and five assists per 36 minutes played. It's kind of crazy. He does it in very few minutes, but he can do, he can put up the points and put up some of the stats. And they're going to need a lot of his scoring. We know the injury situation with the Celtics, losing Rondo, losing Solinger, and now losing Barbosa. It was kind of an interesting trade with the Wizards, essentially giving Jordan Crawford to the Celtics kind of for free because they took Barbosa, who obviously can't play anymore, and the also the expiring contract of um, of, of Jason Collins. Yeah, and it was originally going to be Chris Wilcox, but he didn't want to waive his bird rights. So now, if anything, the Celtics kind of got lucky there. Even though they wanted to first send off Wilcox, he might end up being a key piece down the stretch. But with the guys coming in, with Jordan Crawford, I'm very impressed. And you're right, it was a nice, it was kind of a steal, but really the Wizards were not happy with him, and he wasn't part of their future. So the Celtics were able to get lucky there, and you know what? I'll take it. It definitely helps this team. I know they weren't able to get any big men, but DJ White might be coming off the scrap heap. I think he also coming over from China. He was playing against Terrence Williams over in China recently, and then their season ended, so they're able to pick up Williams and, and then maybe White soon. And that's what we call a transition. The other main addition to the Celtics <laughs> roster is that Terrence Williams, who uh, it's another combo guard, someone who isn't really a pure point guard. Danny Ainge has this infatuation with these kind of guards who can play either position, which I guess is good if you're good, if you're worried about injuries, but still, there's really no true point guard aside from Rondo. It's very odd that they still don't have that point guard, and who knows if they'll even need one, because Doc has said a few times recently that he remembers offenses that he played with that didn't need a point guard, and now maybe it's possible that they're able to just switch it around. Paul Pierce becomes the point forward, and he's really taken on a lot of the burden recently, and even though he only took five shots on Friday night, he was able to take a rest. The rest of the guards were able to step up, and of course, Jeff Green, but Terrence Williams looked great 
And if anything, I was listening to you know Sean Grandy on the radio, and we heard a lot of him in the, the intro there. He was really happy with Terrence Williams and how he performed on Friday night. And that Friday night game was the the biggest win for the Celtics, well, may, maybe one of the biggest wins, at least point total, uh, 113-88 to over the Phoenix Suns, and pushing their record to three games over 500, 29-26. It's the third game that they played in this five-game Western Conference road trip that might really show us a lot about uh, how far this team can go. Started off with a loss to Denver, Denver avenging that triple overtime thriller from February 10th, but the Celtics, they dropped the first one after the All-Star break to the Nuggets. Then they just got beat down by the Lakers. Really, you got to be blown about it. They just didn't have their best game. And those kind of games, though, there was so much emotion. It was the first game since Jerry Buss died. That's really hard for really any away team, especially playing against your arch rival. You thought maybe that might have helped the Celtics a little bit, but that was a game they I don't think any team in the NBA was going to beat the Lakers on that night. I completely agree. It was a frustrating endeavor that the Celtics had to, had to go out there and then plan a second night of a back-to-back at Staples, which really didn't help, but it was a tough situation for them. Pierce guided them through the first half on that Wednesday night game on national television, but they weren't able to stay in it. But you know, you had the, the altitude in Denver, then you had L.A. Both those teams were frothing at the mouth, especially after losing to the Celtics at TD Garden recently. So you know you have to look into those games and say, okay, well, those are pretty much schedule losses, or at least you're not going to take two games from both of those teams you don't think so so it was happy to split with both of them and then you go forward and the Celtics need to they needed to take two of three out of these Phoenix Portland and Utah games tonight possibly is your chance to take that second game because tomorrow at Utah is gonna be a tough one with Utah coming off of a day's rest this is the Celtics beat the very first episode with myself your host Daniel Baker and stats Adam or Adam Lowenstein whatever you really want to say uh, we will be taking callers later in the show, uh, and that number, if you want to reach us, is 347-215-7771, and press 1 if you'd like to talk. If not, you can listen in um, as we're talking about the Celtics, the recent week, they're in the middle of this Western Conference road trip, and the upcoming game this evening in just a few hours will be against the Portland Tra- Trailblazers to help us preview that and talk a little bit about what's going on on the west coast and in for a team that i don't know if i have a soft spot for but i really don't have i don't know how many people could, could really kind of hate the trailblazers unless you're from seattle i just think they're a likable organization they have such a great fan base and to help us preview that game we're going to be joined by travis demers of espn 1080 out in portland oregon he's the host of the travis and wilcox show on the afternoons, and very excited to have him on in just about, we'll bring him on in about 10, 15 minutes, he'll, he'll preview that, and that's going to be a pretty fun game for the for both. I'm really excited to watch Damian Lillard, I really love that guy. Right now, I think it's not even close in terms of Rookie of the Year voting, and he would definitely be my guy, but we can get into that a little bit later. I wanted to bring up a point that you kind of uh, touched on, how Paul Pierce in the Lakers game, he really carried the Celtics that first half. He scored 23 points. It was He was really the only reason the Celtics weren't being blown out in that first half. And it was, just to tie into our whole trade talk conversation, the Celtics chose not to blow it up. They chose to hold on to Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett, though obviously Kevin Garnett does have that no-trade clause and could have said no, but they decided to hold on to pieces, maybe have another run at this thing for this year, possibly even next year as well. But Pierce, he he's obviously the player on the Celtics who you point to first without Rondo that says he can win a game by himself, even come playoff time. My question is, can he win a series? He won a half, basically, for the Celtics. They still were down at half. But can he do that for even two games in a playoff series? It's going to be very tough at his age, and you know now that he is, you know, climbing in age every year. And I can't believe he's played. Paul Pierce has played every game this season. He along with it's really five, amazing. It, it makes no sense. Garnett was before Friday also had played every game this season. The Celtics have been very lucky with their old guys. Unfortunately, unlucky with their young guys. But with Paul Pierce, I think it's possible that he can guide them through a few games. It. 
it's crazy to say, but Doc Rivers is going to be able to limit his minutes. He did it on Friday against Phoenix, and it looks to see that even in games that they'll have trouble, he's going to Doc is going to allow Pierce to sit and rest, same as Garnett. And then when it comes around playoff time, even if they're the eight seed, the seven seed, they'll still have a shot because he. Pierce can really step up. He's still having a strong shooting year. I know he's attempting a lot of threes, and he's getting the hoop a little bit less incrementally each year, but he's still stepping up, and Pierce has the opportunity to do that, and he has in the past. He's got that that clutch gene that everyone talks about, too, which obviously can't be overlooked. It's just how, how, many, how many times can he do it? Last season, he played 61 of the 66 games in that strike-shortened season. The year before, 80, then 71. 81, 80, he, he, he's very durable. And, I mean, you hear it all the time how he kind of has that old man game. I mean, he's one of the best scorers in the NBA. I'm going to throw out history, not that he's necessarily one of the top all time, maybe if you're talking about top three, top five. But, honestly, if you put that list down to 10, 15, Paul Pierce is right up there for just being a great scorer. Oh, absolutely. And he can – I know he can't get to the hoop as much anymore, but his shot is still at, I wouldn't say maybe an all-term or a career high, but it's still great. It's still up there, and he's proven it in the playoffs before. He's played a lot of playoff games and has the experience to do so. And then don't forget, he's going to get some help too. Jeff Green is now going to be able to back him up, and I think he showed it. Green showed it on Friday that it's possible that they'll have a great one-two punch at that three position and then allowing them to even go small against the likes of if they can face Miami or the bigger teams in the you know in the east that don't really have a center. You know, you look at the Knicks who play very small with the exception of Tyson Chandler. And I think you can play Jeff Green at the 4 in many situations and then complimenting Pierce so it takes a little bit of the burden off the captain. You definitely can and it's not just because of Jeff Green's versatility on the offensive end but the defensive end because he can guard 2 through 4. Obviously it depends on who that 2 is and who who else is there but he's versatile. Same with Paul Pierce. That's a big help. You mentioned his shooting. He right now at 41.4%. That's his second lowest of his career so far. Second only to 2003 to 2004 when he shot just over 40% from the field. He also averaged 23 points. But in terms of getting to the line, he's right up there with the last two seasons. Five and a half free throw attempts per game. The last two seasons, 5.6. So he's right there. The numbers are dipping under 80% for the first time since 2006-2007, but again, I, I mentioned that clutchness, and he has that. There's really, I wouldn't pick more than maybe two players who I'd rather have at the free throw line with the game on the line than Paul Pierce. And with regard to Paul Pierce, he's taking on more of a burden. I think I mentioned it a little bit earlier with talking about him replacing Rajon Rondo as basically the guy, the centerpiece of the offense. He's now on pace to grab as many rebounds or the most rebounds in a season um, on average since his 05-06 season. And I think the reason is is that he needs to take on that challenge and he needs to be a part of that offense. That that year, he actually was attempting his career high in free throw attempts. So maybe he was actually forcing the issue underneath and grabbing those offensive rebounds in addition. But this year, he's actually stepping up and taking on what was needed with the rebounding numbers. And then when that, without Rondo out there, you're going to have the guards not around the hoop. So Pierce is the one who's had to attack the hoop and at least help them on the defensive glass and take the, the burden off of KG with regard to rebounding. And that's kind of something that w- was brought up when Rondo went down and the Celtics, especially when they went on that winning streak. And Pierce was, I mean, he was putting up a couple triple doubles. He's he, he's showing how much of an all-round game he has. Not that he hasn't always had it, but that just obviously said he's being forced to kind of play more of an all-round game. And it, it, it's a strategy that I think is very viable. I don't, in today's game, yes, it is a point guard-driven league at the moment. There's so many quality point guards. When you have at least maybe ten or so, probably I'm probably uh, underscoring that number too. Uh, that po- a point guard that can make the all-star team or are good enough. I mean, we're we're in a golden age of point guards, but an offense can be centered around a forward who dominates the ball, a small forward, a point forward, if you will. I mean, we've seen it work for championship in Miami. And if anything, you could say in future championships with the Thunder, if Wesley Westbrook isn't working out. They should be running it around Durant, and that's what the Celtics are doing with Pierce having – 
being forced without Rondo in the line, you know, with Rondo out. And Pierce at one point had 16 consecutive games with at least five rebounds, his fifth longest streak of his career, including the playoffs. And that was during one of those stretches. It was pretty much practically from the middle of January to the middle of February, just recently got snapped. But he's still providing them a lot of – he's basically filling the stat sheet. And I think that allows them, the Celtics to show that he's really – Fine, and he's actually doing well. He just needs a little bit of rest. He's not going to be able to come back on those, you know, those back-to-back games. It's going to be a little tougher for him to do that. But he's able to replace some of that Rondo stuff, and I think his triple doubles are actually a little bit more significant than Rondo's because usually Pierce is doing a little bit more for the offense than Rondo is with those triple doubles. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, over his last ten games, he's averaging 16.4 points a game, six and a half assists, and 7.7 rebounds, shooting. Taking a dip just at 38.1%, but it's, you, you kind of have to expect that. Obviously, he's yes. not having a great shooting year overall, but he's just doing so much more where he's not shooting as much anyway. So that that's not necessarily as as impactful when there's so many other players on the team right now who are picking up that scoring load, one of them being Jeff Green. Can't go through this long without really mentioning <laughs> Jeff Green and his great game the other night against the Suns. Yes, it was the Suns. They're not a very good team. But still, I mean, he showed what he has a potential for. And maybe, just maybe, and it's the last time I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this, maybe, just maybe, this is the confidence booster that he's been waiting for and really needs to really go forward and make a big impact. Because he can be a game changer. He is the X factor for the Celtics team. You took the words right out of my mouth. The X factor is what I've been saying this entire season. And the problem is is that he was not fully healthy for the entire first half of the regular season. Remember, he had heart surgery just over a year ago. And this guy is now finding his way. He has at least eight points in each of his last 14 games. He actually had his most efficient night of his career on Friday night, had his most points with the Celtics on Friday night, his mo- the most blocks he's ever had in a game on Friday night. That's 31 points and five blocks. And his, his plus minus that night, plus 26, the best of his career in a game. Amazing performance by Jeff Green. He took charge, even after getting hit in the face early on in the game, on a drive to the hoop. He was on fire. The Celtics offense went through him. It was basically a Pierce night in Green's body. It was amazing. I, I loved how you brought up that play. It really was a barometer of things to come from Jeff Green that night, because when he's confident and when he's being aggressive attacking the basket, he's a matchup problem for about 98% of the league. And he really needs, when when he's utilizing the, the mismatches and all the tools that he has, that's when he's at his best. He blew past Scola, who's a big defender, but he's slower. So he blew past him, got hit, when the second defender came, went up and under, because he has the length and the ability to do that, and finished off the end one. And it was just really beautiful and really great to see. Because when you drive, good things happen. My dad has preached that to me since I picked up a basketball when I was three years old. Good things happen. It's true. You might get fouled, which, hey, free those. That's a good thing. You might score even better. And you, you make the defense react to you. You make the defense switch and, and and make a play, make a decision, and it gives you opportunity for kickouts and other positive things on the offensive end. It's just good things happen when you drive, and I was really happy to see Jeff Green being aggressive, going to the hole just like that. And if he does that, the Celtics will be a very dangerous team. Absolutely, and we had talked about the matchup problems that he presents, and I think at the four position, even the three position, no matter what, he's either oversized or undersized, so he's able to move around very well, and that allows him to take advantage of any matchup that he has, and he's a pretty much, he, we've talked about his body. In the past, I, you know, I hear it all over the place. You know, he can guard LeBron because of that body. We don't know yet. Well, obviously, that's you know jumping to conclusions. But he is a poor man's LeBron on the offensive end, and you know he's shown a little bit on the defensive end. The reason is is because he creates all those matchup problems, and it's great to see the Celtics being able to have a guy who's so athletic and allowing to take advantage of all those situations. This is the Celtics beat. It's our very first show. Thank you for listening from around the. World, I'll say world, wherever you're listening, thanks so much. We're going to step out just for a moment, and when we come back, we'll have Travis Demers of ESPN 1080 out in Portland, Oregon, to help us preview the Celtics at Trailblazers game. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
Hey, Mike Fay from Mike T here, just reminding you about the outstanding shows here on CLNS Radio. Jay King of CelticsTown.com and Ty Ray of CLNS Radio join forces to bring you Celticstown, King of the Court, every Monday night. If Jeff Green grabs a rebound, run up court with it, just get the ball and work it up the floor and make Tommy Heinsohn proud because I know he loves that style of play. Careless Whispers with Matt Rury and Calvin Chamberlain hits the airwaves Tuesday night. You can't compare that to an NBA rivalry where you're going to hate LeBron James for the next seven years and you've already hated him for five years. Tune in for the block party with CLNS Lock Career reporter Jared Wise and NHL content manager Lee Herman on Thursday nights. I actually really have high hopes for Chris Bork. I'm not going to compare him to Ray. And don't forget to tune into the Celtics postgame show following every single Celtics game. You can find that at CLNS Radio, Celtics Blog, and iTunes. It's invaluable how much Jeff Green means to this team right now if he can continue to play this way. That's not all. There are even more awesome podcasts available. Check them all out on clnsradio.com. Celticsblog.com. Blogging since 2004 and leading an outstanding team of contributors, Jeff Clark is the most distinguished Celtics blogger on the web. Celtics Blog features a team of journalists and locker room reporters that provide Celtics fans the most unique, thoughtful, and in-depth commentary online. There's a bunch of ways to interact with the number one community of Celtics fans, Friday fan posts, fan forums, and the most popular live game chat room. CLNS Radio is proud to be a content partner of Celtics Blog, and Celtics Blog simulcasts the CLNS Celtics postgame show following every single Celtics game. And that's not all. CLNS and Celtics Blog join forces this season to bring you the Garden Report, the only HD postgame show shot live on the parquet floor at TD Garden. Check it all out today at CelticsBlog.com. This is Avery Bradley of the Boston Celtics, and you are listening to ELNS Radio. What's new at CLNSRadio.com? We're striving to make this your first and last destination for all things sports. It all starts with our Celtics postgame show. CLNS is the proud home of the only online postgame broadcast that covers every single Celtics game. Along with Celtics blog, CLNS brings you the Garden Report. It's the only YouTube postgame show recorded on the parquet floor. CLNS Radio's Jared Weiss and Celtics Blog's Jimmy Toscano report on the home games in high definition. And if you subscribe to the CLNS YouTube page, you can find raw post-game videos from the Celtics locker room. Stay up to date with us and text CLNS fans to 22828 for free updates from CLNS Radio. Don't forget you can call into our live shows at 347-215-7771. And if you miss the live broadcast, you can download us on iTunes. We're getting bigger, we're getting better, and you can find it all at clnsradio.com. clnsradio.com, the home of Internet Sports Talk Radio. It's the Celtics Speak with Daniel Baker. And we are back on the airwaves. It's the Celtics Speed. I'm your host, Daniel Baker, joined alongside by Steph Adam, or Adam Lowenstein, of CLNS Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in. And tonight, the Boston Celtics, in their third game of their five-game Western Conference road trip, they'll be facing off in Portland against the Trailblazers. And to help us preview that game, we will bring on Trav Demers of 1080, the fan out in Portland. Thank you so much for joining us, Travis. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm happy to say that you can't really say this very often in February, but it is sunny today in Portland. So it is a, it's a good day here in Portland. It's it's a sunny day on the East Coast. I'm down here in Maryland as well. So every everybody's basking in sunshine. How about you, Adam? Uh, St. Louis is all right. It's been a little snowy recently, but uh, hoping to get some sun soon. <laughs> All right, well, as I said, the Celtics are facing off against the Trailblazers, and about two and a half hours from now, they dropped the first two games of this Western Conference road swing against the Denver Nuggets and LA Lakers. They are coming off a dominating performance against the Phoenix Suns on Friday night, and will have the first game of a back-to-back tonight against Portland, a Portland team 
right now who, well, they're they're struggling to say the least, 25 and 30 and on a seven-game losing streak. What's going on with the Trailblazers right now, Travis? You know, it's, it might sound too simple, but the biggest problem is the bench. There is literally nobody on the bench that can be relied on, and that's one of the reasons why they made the, the Eric Maynard deal the other day. Starters are just playing too much. Before the All-Star break, Damian Lillard, who had the most minutes played of anybody in the NBA, Nick Batum was fifth, and LaMarcus Aldridge was tenth. So when you have that many of your, your core guys playing so many minutes, they just start to get worn down. And when you have nobody else that you can rely on, that's where the injuries start to come in. That's where you see you know, Nick Batum start to get banged up. And Wes Matthews, who would play through anything short of a gunshot on the floor, uh, those are when you start to see those injuries. And, and that's what we're seeing right now with this team because of the lack of depth, because of the lack of a bench, you're starting to see the starters get worn down. It's really unfortunate. I've been saying this all season long whenever I do my power rankings, which I release on Monday, so stay tuned for that. I'll be, I'll be pu- pushing that out tomorrow. But I've said all along, I mean, they're starting five. There's a lot to like about that. I mean, you have a guy in LaMarcus Aldridge who all, he, he's an all-star and would have been on the Olympic team if it weren't for injury. They have mm-hmm. who I think is the rookie of the year in Damian Lillard. Batum and Matthews and Hickson, those are they're it's not they're not just serviceable players. They're 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 good. They're quality. They're, they're not that many shooting guards that I would take right now over Wesley Matthews. And they're really young too. It's 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 a shame. I've been saying it all along that bench is really holding them back. And it, it's it's unfortunate that uh, they haven't gotten the help that the starters deserve. Because when you have those guys and everyone aside from Hickson's playing at least essentially 35 minutes a game, as they said, I mean. How do you even hold up? How does your body hold up for that? It's difficult, and it's not just physical; it's mental too. And you see that more with Damian Lillard than anybody. In a college, in a college season, we'll play you know maybe thirty, forty games somewhere in that neighborhood, and they're all you know already you know into into the fifties or preseason into the sixties, and you can see mentally Damian Lillard's getting worn down. He's a a very smart player. He's a guy that um, takes a lot of pride in what he does, but for to, to see him, especially in the fourth quarter, when he gets mentally worn down, he makes mistakes. And that's where things like we saw on, on Friday night with the, with the Lakers game, when he'll make mistakes, he'll turn the ball over and put himself into situations where he can't get himself out of because he's just so physically and mentally worn down. I do think he is the best rookie in the league this year. I do think he is the rookie of the year. And like you mentioned, Danny, the, the starting five I would put up there with most starting fives in the NBA. That's a playoff starting five. But without any help coming off the bench, you're going to see guys get physically and mentally worn down. And that, again, that's that's just the biggest issue issue right now is that they can't compete in the fourth quarter of games, and they 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 just mentally have struggles because physically their bodies are worn down. Hey, Stats Adam here. It's it's unfortunate that you know the bench hasn't been able to complement such a fantastic future of a starting lineup because they're so young. It has a great situation. They were able to get Eric Maynard for the trade exception um, at the trade deadline from OKC. Does that help anything for Damian Lillard, you know, preventing him from hitting the rookie wall or anything, you know, maybe helping the league worst 16.6 bench points per game for the Razors? Does, does it help at all? It does, and that's the main reason why they, they did it. The, the two possibilities that we were hearing trade deadline most were J.J. Hickson uh, being dealt not because of what he's been doing on the floor because he has been really kind of the glue of this team, but because of his value in the future. He only makes $4 million bucks. It's a one-year deal, so can they retain him for the money that they want to be able to and still have enough room to fill out the bench? When that didn't happen, it was you know trying to get some backcourt depth. That's what they do with Eric Maynard. He's a guy who plays pretty good defense. He takes care of the basketball, and we've seen at times he's a, a good floor general too. And the other thing with, with bringing Maynard in, you're going to see some, you know, Maynard with Damian Lillard on the floor. So Lillard's more of a scorer. Maynard's a little bit more of a distributor. So having those guys on the floor together will help also. But bringing in Eric Maynard, just to give Damian Lillard five minutes here, let him sit on the bench. I don't think he even knows what the bench looks like at this point. That's how often he's been on the floor. So for him to just get some rest, so by the time you hit mid to late March, early April, he's not just totally running to the ground. Hey, Travis, looking a little bit forward to tonight's game against the Celtics. Now, the Celtics uh, had a little bit of rest in in between. This is the first game before a back-to-back against the Jets tomorrow night. But also for Kevin Garnett, he was able to sit out the last game 
in the win, and so so we're assuming he'll be a little bit rested. But kind of, how do these two teams match up? Where, where, where is Portland going to really have an advantage playing the Celtics? Um, I, I don't think they have any kind of advantage, to be honest with you. I mean, and you'll get some scoring from Damian Lillard, but he's such a a bad defensive point guard that whoever's running the point tonight for Boston is going to be able to get some some points. Uh, they have a terrible paint defense. I know that JJ's done a great job with his offensive rebounding, and getting those garbage points, and that's where he's kind of you know made his money this year. But if the Celtics are able to get the ball in the paint and get anywhere near the basket, I mean you're, you're going to see 50, 55, 60 paint points. And if they can if they can do that and get some you know some drives from the outside and just build up those points in the paint, it I hate to say it from from the Portland angle, but it should be a, a pretty pretty easy game because of the lack of, of of defense coming in the paint for Portland. Wow, I'm 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 just very I guess flabbergasted that you just want to uh, just think that the Celtics will be able to, to trounce them tonight. That's really interesting. And as far as the, the Blazers going forward after this game, do you see the playoffs in the future outlook, or is it just going to be the lottery? Um, for this season, the lottery, I think, is the best bet. I mean, it's not, it's not a deep draft. The problem is that they have a, a top 12 protected pick. So uh, if they pick 13th or 14th, they lose their pick to the Nets in the Gerald Wallace deal. So if they reach the playoffs, you know, they don't get that pick. But the worst possible scenario is finishing 13th or 14th in, uh, um, from the bottom and missing out on that pick. Where they are in the West, you know, the, the the Lakers have passed them, the Mavericks have passed them, so there are still a couple of spots in between them and Houston. But you know, with even with the deals with Houston that they just made, if you know, if, if James Harden goes down with an injury, you know, that gap it's only you know four and a half games right now. That gap can close very quickly. So you know, it's not time to say, all right, let's just get ready for the lottery. They're still going to fight hard. They're still going to be you know ready to to try and win every game they can. But realistically. It, it's looking more and more like a lottery, and they better pray that they're somewhere 12 or worse because if it's 13th or 14th, not only do they not make the playoffs, but they don't get a lottery pick either. That would just uh, – wow. <laughs> for for a fan base that really has just endured so much, that would not not, not be easy to swallow for this uh, – not be easy to swallow. But yeah. go, going forward, this team – and, I mean, even just looking back at the trade – trade deadline a little bit. I mean, there really was a lack of action around the NBA in general. Uh, Portland bringing in Maynard, who I, I like a lot. I mean, maybe I'm just still enamored of what he did at VCU, but I think he can definitely be a good addition. But kind of going forward, was there were there more talks were uh, of adding other players? How is Portland cash-strapped? Like, are, are they looking to add pieces in free agency? Because as as you, you mentioned, how you put this starting five up against almost anyone in the NBA, it seems like it's an intriguing place to go, especially with a young point guard like Lillard. Even though he's hitting the wall, people kind of do realize that he is a rising star. And, yeah. um, and apparently uh, he's really close to a Team USA invite even. So looking forward, yeah. uh, what are they looking to add? Well, you, you've got the foundation there with the point guard in Lillard, like you mentioned. You have an all-star, a proven guy in uh, in LaMarcus Aldridge. Uh, Nick Batum has really changed his game this year, and for him, you know, the, the money that he was able to get in the, in, in free agency, um, he wanted to be in a in a style of offense that fit him better. Under Nate McMillan, he was basically just the guy who sat up there on, on the wing and, and waited for the ball to come to him. His assist numbers are better. His rebound numbers are better. His scoring numbers are better. So for him, he's rising. He's getting better. So you have three pretty solid guys. I think Wes Matthews is a better sixth man than he is a starter. If he has an opportunity to be a sixth man, then he's sixth man of the year type uh, type of player. Again, what happens with J.J. Hickson with his contract? Four million bucks right right now. He's going to command a lot more than that next year, whether it's seven or eight million. I don't know if they can afford to keep him. So if they aren't able to do that, they'll have a little bit more flexibility to try and build up that bench. And that's where, you know, when, when you think about how is this team going to build themselves in the future, with that cap space that they will have next year, it will make Portland more, more attractive because a lot of places now with the new CBA and the way that it's set up, that luxury tax is going to increase exponentially year after year after year. Those numbers are going to double. So it's going to be really difficult teams to go out and bring in two, three, four higher-priced free agent guys 
So it's going to leave those mid-level three, four, five million a year type players down for the Blazers to be able to grab. Is a player like Luke Ridnour a possibility? Well, now Maynard probably not, but the, the, the range that they're looking in is at three, four, five million. Um, I think they need to, if they can draft a a shooting guard and have that be the guy, the position that they look at, I think that's the best way to do it because then you can have Wes Matthews, who is the he's the inspiration, he is the energetic guy. He's the perfect six-man type player. So if they can use that extra money that I think that they'll get when they lose J.J. Hickson and try and build up that bench, that's going to be their best bet for the future. And if they're able to do that, that that could put them into a fifth or sixth spot on the Western Conference. Well, the Celtics seem to have a plethora of six-man options between Jason Terry, the addition of Jordan Crawford now, who I'm waiting to pull out my hair for some of his shots that he's going to put up. <laughs> I just know it's going to happen. Um and tonight's matchup with the Blazers, Trailblazers, 25 and 30, Celtics 29-26. The Blazers allowing nearly 100 points a game, and the Celtics, which is 21st in the league, and the Celtics scoring uh, 96 games. So, you uh, I mean on one hand you have the Celtics, who we know how how good their defense is, especially with Kevin Garnett. He'll be back. He'll be fired up. He said he hates missing games. It was killing him. He couldn't even be at the building against the Suns. That's how much he hates not being there. Um, but looking forward to tonight's game. Can I get a prediction? Oh, man. Uh, again, it's, it, it depends on how quickly the, the Blazers get out to a start. If they get out to the kind of slow starts that they're getting out to, um, they're going to lose this game by 10, 12 points. But it's funny because they have, what, 11, uh, 11 wins where they've come back from double double figures or more to win. So even if it is a big lead, don't count them out just yet. Um, I, I'd say Boston probably wins tonight by, by seven or eight. Well, also can't count on Boston to hold on to those kind of leads. We've seen yeah. them time and time again below those. Well, Travis, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Uh, for the game, if you want to follow him on Twitter, it's at Travis Demers, T-R-A-V-I-S-D-E-M-E-R-S. He's host of Travis and Wilcox at 1080, the fan out in Portland. Thanks again for joining us. Really appreciate your time today. Anytime, guys. All right, take care. That was Travis Demers and had a lot of great insight on the Trailblazers as a whole. And uh, really, I'm looking forward to this game, and it will be interesting to see what they can do in the future because they're not a team that has necessarily a ton of money to spend in free agency. Yeah, it's an interesting team going ahead, going forward, and I think Travis really encapsulated it. Hopefully, they don't get um, you know the low enough you know the low enough pick so that they lose the pick. But that's really a big thing to start that continuing to help their bench because they have a solidified starting lineup that can be done that can be ready for the next 10 years i was a little surprised when he said there wasn't an advantage yeah. for the trailblazers looking at this game i mean lillard yeah i know he's he's kind of hitting a rookie wall so to speak but still i mean he's yeah. going up 18 and a half six and a half assists a game he's so fast it's gonna be very hard for the the celtics to slow him down i assume we'll see avery bradley take him full court, and we'll see how Lillard responds to that because not many guys in the NBA really pick up their man like that. But even going to a J.J. Hickson and LaMarcus Aldridge, that one-two punch down low, it's gone a lot of the weight on the defensive end tonight. It's going to fall on Brandon Bass. I think he's going to really have to, to play very solid, but he's athletic enough and he's skilled enough defensively to stick with both of those guys, to be honest. Yeah, and I think he's definitely stepped up recently. With Jaron Soldier going out, if anything, Bass was able to bring up his game. And I think he's played much better recently. I know Hickson's a pretty solid rebounder, and the Portland team is about an average rebounding team. So the Celtics just need to keep them off the boards as well as they can. Of course, the Celtics are going to give up offensive rebounds. We know that. They've given up offensive rebounds. I think they've lost the offensive rebound battle for 14 consecutive games already, which is one of the worst over the last decade. We we had discussed that in the postgame show, I think, on Friday. It's kind of funny, but you know, without Selinger, Bass has actually stepped it up, and I think they'll be able to at least contain the Portland rebounding. As a team, the Celtics are pulling down 40 rebounds a game. The Trailblazers at 41.4, with no one on the Celtics averaging more than Kevin Garnett 7.6 a game, while Hickson is pulling down 10.4 rebounds a game, and Aldridge 
is corralling 8.7, and you did mention Brandon Bass of late. His last five games, he's averaging six and a half rebounds. So, but but I don't think the numbers necessarily speak volumes of the hustle and everything else that he's necessarily providing, as you said. So I'm looking definitely to Bass as being an important piece, especially on the defensive end tonight. And when we come back, Adam and I will continue to preview the Celtics Astro Blazers. Stay tuned. Stay tuned for the Celtics. Hey, Mike Fay from Mike C here, just reminding you about the outstanding shows here on CLNS Radio. Jay King of CelticsTown.com and Ty Ray of CLNS Radio join forces to bring you Celtics Town, King of the Court, every Monday night. If Jeff Green grabs a rebound, run up court with it, just get the ball and work it up the floor and make Tommy Heinsohn proud because I know he loves that style of play. Careless Whispers with Matt Rury and Calvin Chamberlain hits the airwaves Tuesday night. You can't compare that to an NBA rivalry where you're going to hate LeBron James for the next seven years and you've already hated him for five years. Tune in for the block party with CLNS Locker reporter Jared Wise and NHL content manager Lee Herman on Thursday nights. I actually really have high hopes for Chris Bork. I'm not going to no. compare him to Ray. And don't forget to tune into the Celtics postgame show following every single Celtics game. You can find that at CLNS Radio, Celtics Blog, and iTunes. It's invaluable how much Jeff Green means to this team right now if he can continue to play this way. That's not all. There are even more awesome podcasts available. Check them all out on clnsradio.com. Celticsblog.com. Blogging since 2004 and leading an outstanding team of contributors, Jeff Clark is the most distinguished Celtics blogger on the web. Celtics Blog features a team of journalists and locker room reporters that provide Celtics fans the most unique, thoughtful, and in-depth commentary online. There's a bunch of ways to interact with the number one community of Celtics fans, Friday fan posts, fan forums, and the most popular live game chat room. CLNS Radio is proud to be a content partner of Celtics Blog, and Celtics Blog simulcasts the CLNS Celtics postgame show following every single Celtics game. And that's not all. CLNS and Celtics Blog join forces this season to bring you the Garden Report, the only HD postgame show shot live on the parquet floor at TD Garden. Check it all out today at CelticsBlog.com. This is Avery Bradley of the Boston Celtics, and you're listening to ELNS Radio. What's new at CLNSRadio.com? We're striving to make this your first and last destination for all things sports. It all starts with our Celtics postgame show. CLNS is the proud home of the only online postgame broadcast that covers every single Celtics game. Along with Celtics blog, CLNS brings you the Garden Report. It's the only YouTube postgame show recorded on the parquet floor. CLNS Radio's Jared Weiss and Celtics Blog's Jimmy Toscano report on the home games in high definition. And if you subscribe to the CLNS YouTube page, you can find raw post-game videos from the Celtics locker room. Stay up to date with us and text CLNS fans to 22828 for free updates from CLNS Radio. Don't forget you can call into our live shows at 347-215-7771. And if you miss the live broadcast, you can download us on iTunes. We're getting bigger, we're getting better, and you can find it all at clnsradio.com. clnsradio.com, the home of Internet Sports Talk Radio. Now, welcome to the Celtic Speak. Welcome back into the show. My name is Daniel Baker alongside Seth Adam with you for another 15 minutes on the Celtics beat. If you want to get a quick call in, we can take your call at 314-215-7771. Just press 1 to talk. We're talking Celtics as they get set to play the Trailblazers tonight. And looking forward, they have one more game on this Western Conference road trip. If you want to follow myself on Twitter, it's at Daniel underscore Baker 9. If you want to follow Stats Adam, it's pretty simple. At Stats Adam. 
We just had Travis Demers on from 1080, the fan, to talk about the Trailblazers. And really, we were talking about during the break how it would just, just almost be unfair if the Blazers were to finish in that 13th or 14th spot. And honestly, depending on what happens, it's possible. It just That would be a lot to, lot to take. Yeah, I would feel so bad for that organization. And, Daniel, you had talked about how – you know, this Blazers team is a fun team to root for. They've always had some fun players. We remember those Brandon Roy moments in the playoffs. Those were fantastic at the Rose Garden. And then looking at the team now, there's a lot of likable guys on that team, especially, you know, of course, the rookie sensation, Damian Lillard. But obviously, the rest of that team, LaMarcus Aldridge still has not seen too much success in his career. This team hasn't made it past the first round in, I think, 10 years. So this Rose uh, the Portland fans are just great ones. And I think, are they the soccer mom fans, according to Bill Simmons? Those, those are the ones? <laughs> yeah, they're fantastic. Obviously, they're very, very close to their team. But that is, those injury bugs over the last, you know, last decade, basically, Travis has been there for about a decade. And it's just frustrating for them. I just, you know, hopefully they get the pick. You want to see them get a good pick, most likely not make the playoffs. Just get a better positioning for the lottery, even though it won't be that great of one this year, but then they'll be able to at least rebuild a little bit their bench for the future. Yeah, but the team you kind of want to root for. And as we said, the playoffs aren't necessarily out of reach completely. They're four and a half games behind Houston right now for that eighth spot. They're tied with Dallas at 25 and 30. Right behind the Lakers are two games up at 28 and 29. And probably if you're a betting man, you would bet the Lakers would be the ones to fight their way into the eighth spot with the amount of talent that they have on that roster. But going toward the Eastern Conference, just taking a quick peek at the playoff picture for the Celtics, right now they're at 29-26, sitting in that seventh seed, just above the Milwaukee Bucks. And as we've been kind of talking about the trade deadline, what happened, what didn't happen, it was the Bucks who might have made the biggest splash. Yeah, biggest splash would be uh, very... Uh... You know, in relative terms, I think we had discussed. We were talking the term about lightly. Those. Yes, exactly, exactly. And he played one game. You know, J.J. Redick has now played one game with the Milwaukee Bucks, scored 16 points in that game. He got to the line to shoot seven free throws, which is fantastic. But this guy is there for three-point shooting and shooting overall. And he can make them at least somewhat of a threat in the playoffs, or at least threat to make the playoffs, because now I think we have solidified our eight teams now. Philadelphia, we don't know if Andrew Bynum will ever come back. We don't even know if he'll ever play a game in the 76ers uniform. So we'll now know the Bucks will make that eighth spot. They are, what, four and a half now up on Philly. The Celtics are pretty much solidified in the playoffs, whether it be a 7-8, or if they can bump up and try to make it to the Hawks. But with these Bucks team, now, they make it, now they're going to make it to the playoffs. They've now switched coaches midseason. I'm a little worried about that team, you know, for a team that's not the Heat. If the, if the Heat are the first, you know, if the Milwaukee Bucks finish that eight seed, most likely they'll get trounced by the Heat. They might be able to sneak out a game or two now that Redick is on the team because Redick helps their shooting. But it's not that big of a difference. But it will help them going forward. If he stays with this team and you know, Milwaukee is able to continue developing him, they actually got a nice pick. They got a nice player from Orlando there. It pains me to say it as a Maryland grad, but he really is rounding into more of a complete player, and that's really been the difference. He's not just that spot-up shooter. His defense doesn't get a lot of credit. I'm I'm kind of getting him credit now. I know I usually don't, but he he is rounding into more of a complete player. And right now, through the season, averaging 16 points a game, I mean, that would take on more of a scoring load with uh, Glenn Davis going down in Orlando and averaging – Seven assists a game, <laughs> and right now on the Bucks, he has a high. He has just the second highest PER after Dalbert at nineteen point seven. So he's doing a lot of things to help his team, and it, it, it's a Bucks team. And when you add Reddick to to that roster, and you talk about the playoffs and, and who they get, I don't see anybody aside from the teams themselves in Miami and Indiana beating either one. I don't think any other team can beat them in the series. I I just don't see it. I think those are by far the best two teams in the Eastern Conference right now. But any other team to play Milwaukee, and even against those, that is going to be a very interesting matchup, especially late in the game. When you have Brandon Jennings, Monte Ellis, J.J. Redick, and Ilya Sova out there, that's a lot of range from a lot of different positions. How do you guard that? And let's not forget... They have a great big man in the middle who is arguably one of the better centers in the league this season, Larry Sanders. Larry Sanders! So, yes, yes. 
<laughs> and I know our dads will tell us about the Larry Sanders show, the, the long, the, the long time ago. And it's great hearing all the the announcers bringing that back when we listen and uh, listen to you know about the Bucks and and, and uh, watch the Bucks games. But and, and by the way, those JJ Rack numbers, th- those were just one game. Let's let, let's hold off before we jump onto the twenty PER in one game and the seven assists in one game. But hey, that was a very f- good first game for JJ. I was just I, trying to m- make it look as good as possible. <laughs> yes, you definitely. Season, that was the season with the with the Bucks, which is one game overall in the season. Though yes. a career nine point three points per game score, he's up to fifteen point one, four and a half assists. And overall shooting the ball at 45% from three-point range, you would expect it to be higher than his 38.9% right now, but... It's you know it, it's definitely good and it'll help the team. It's not like he's going to hurt that team. I think Tobias Harris will be able to help out the Magic going forward. But this is definitely a nice thing for this Bucks team. And Ilya Soba hasn't got as much burn this season. It's actually been because of Larry Sanders, and Sanders has actually been fantastic. And that's their advantage on both on well on the Heat, not really the Pacers. I think it would be a little tougher for them for um, him to size up against the seven was seven foot three Roy Hibbert, or he's up there and. It's going to help them inside because not too many teams have that. We've discussed this. You know, it's a point guard league, not a center league. And but for some reason, Milwaukee's able to take these big guys. I think it was Ilyasova last year, who was the 2020 machine, and now it's and and now it's um, uh, Larry Sanders. He's leading and, the league in blocks at 3.21 yeah. a game. No yeah. one's averaging at least three. He's above Serge Ibaka, Tim Duncan, <laughs> and Roy Hibbert, as well as Roy Howard. No, no one's. No one's at three blocks a game except Larry Sanders. He just adds a lot to that defense, and which, I mean, if you're really cutting out there, it's probably the, a, a weaker part of their game. Uh, I don't think anyone's going to call Monte Ellis or Brandon Jennings a uh, above-average defender or maybe good <laughs> defender. Uh, and J.J. Redick, yes, he is improving, but still, they don't really necessarily have the kind of lockdown defenders aside from Larry Sanders. Yeah, so that's why it's going to hurt them. And they're defensive, you know, they're not the best defensive team. It's going to hurt them. And we know that they've, you know, they're not that great of a team overall, but they've definitely stepped up this year. It's kind of nice. Uh, And they'll be able to at least put up a fight. And they're not, you know, they're not the worst defensive team. They're actually, as far as their defensive rating, it's right around Miami's. And that's around like 10th in the league as far as defensive efficiency goes. So they're about an average, above average team on the defensive side. So that's why they'll be able to, you know, their offense has really improved. And they have guys who can take over the game. You know, unlike, you know, it's kind of like we have, you know, Rajon Rondo, but much better offensive players in Monta Ellis and Brandon Jennings as far as just taking over games. But it's kind of weird that they have that dynamic. They're still trying to work it out. And I think still in that mode, they will be able to sneak by a game or two, but they'll hope to face somebody other than Miami. I know. I think Indiana would have a little bit better of a chance, but that Indiana would still be very tough. For sure. They, that probably is, is their best matchup. Interestingly enough, Milwaukee is the only team right now in either conference who's in the playoff mix right now, who would make the playoffs if the season ended today, who – have a score differential of minus more than minus a point. They're getting outscored by more than a point a game. No, well, they, they are the. I think they're the only team who's under 500 also in the in a playoff position as well. That so is that, also that's obviously the reason, or most likely the reason. The Celtics were below, um, you know, were a negative point differential for almost the entire season until I think a week ago or two weeks ago. It definitely they solidified it with that Friday night huge victory over the Suns. Just at point one. <laughs> They're outscoring their opponents every game. So right on the edge, and that's very that that's reasonable looking at their 29-26 and 26 record. Looking forward for the Celtics now. Uh, again, we previewed the Portland game tonight. And remember, after the game, you can hear the flagship program of CLNS Radio, the Celtics postgame show. That'll be tonight. Uh, so make sure to tune into that. If you want to talk some seats after the game, you call the number that you know by heart now, 314-215-7771 to talk Celtics. You'll be talking Celtics tonight. Also, before we do end, I want to thank the Celtics blog for all their help in promoting all of our great content. It's a great partnership we have with them. But looking forward for the Celtics and their season Tomorrow night, they travel to Utah for a 9 p.m. game. It'll be interesting. I wonder, do you think maybe Pierce gets the day off? Now, that would be interesting. I would be in support of that. Uh, you know, you would see Jeff Green slot into a starting position once again, and that would be very nice to see to see what he can do against a team like Utah that, you know, is very interesting, to say the least, because they are one of the 
best big men teams, and maybe arguably the best big man team, because they just have a cavalcade of big guys who weren't traded at the deadline, and they're just an interesting team because they don't, they were actually, you know, might not be able to sign both Millsap and Jefferson at the end of the season. Unfortunately, now, they've been hit by the injury yeah. bug in their guard position. I mean, well. losing Mo Williams, they don't really have a, a, any stud per se at, at the guard, but that the depth inside between Millsap, Al Jefferson, Enos Cantor, and also Derek Favors. I mean, honestly, I don't know if there's a team that has four big men who are that skilled in the NBA. Absolutely correct. And Utah impressively stepping up and has one of the best home records in the league, and they are a strong team. They are very low-scoring as well. So it's going to be a low-scoring battle between the Celtics and the Jazz. The Celtics are home record, as you just alluded to. They're 21-6. and six playing in Utah, which is another arena that's really good. Man, the West Coast just has such good <laughs> – I don't know what it's about the Western Conference. I just, I just like it. Maybe it's because Celtics don't always play them, and I, not, not much of a reason to dislike them, but they have a lot of good arenas, a lot of great venues to watch a basketball game, take it in, as the Celtics will travel to Utah tomorrow night after playing the Blazers tonight, and beyond that – They'll travel back home just for a game against the Golden State Warriors, and then after that, another four. Uh, and then after that, four of the next five games will be on the road at Philadelphia on March 5th, followed by traveling to Indiana, which will be interesting. The second night of back-to-back against the Pacers, such a good team. I, I I can I can see the Celtics resting players possibly against Philly to prepare for Indiana. That's not a bad idea. And let's remember, this rest is huge coming up. They have a three days off between the Utah and Golden State game, another three days off between the Golden State and Philadelphia game. So they're really going to get help by that. The Celtics have actually been pretty good this season on three days or more rest, with exception, I think, before they lost that game to Denver, which was you know on quite a few days rest, including the All-Star break. They had won four consecutive games this season with – the um, with the three days rest with at least three days rest so then they come up with two of those in a row and between those between the uh, Warriors game and that'll definitely help them out so I don't even know if I see anybody resting for the Philadelphia or Indiana games maybe when they go to Charlotte the next week when they have three games in four days but mm-hmm. that's looking forward pretty far and it's something that Doc Rivers really has to pay attention to especially for Pierce and Garnett. And I'm not sure anyone else who, who would get a rest or maybe need a rest. But also looking forward, just a couple minutes left in the show. Adam, are there any players that we should look out for for any milestones coming up this week that were within reach? I know you're talking about Paul Pierce and his recent uh, shooting stretch. Yeah, so he has two milestones or two types of milestones coming up. And right now he's actually in the midst of one, which will extend for a little bit of a period of time. But he currently has exactly 100 three-pointers made this season. It is the 13th consecutive season that he's made at least 100 three-pointers. As of right now, he's the only player to do that in these 13 seasons. Jason Terry and Ray Allen are close behind to make it 13 consecutive for each of them. I think Ray would actually be 14 consecutive. But Paul Pierce is the only player to do it over the last 13 seasons as of right now. It's amazing that he's done this. And keep in mind, Reggie Miller's record is 15 seasons. That's the best for any player of all time. And, of course, the three-pointer's only been in existence for a little bit of time now, I think it's about four decades. So... It's really cool that Paul Pierce, under you know, under the radar, has done this so well. He has shot the three ball at an amazing rate. And in addition, free throws. He is now only 11 free throws away from passing Charles Barkley on the all-time free throws made list. That would move him to 11th place all-time. Well, that's really easy to envision him getting to that mark. Uh, maybe, maybe in Utah, maybe at home against Golden State uh, three games from now, but... A lot to look forward to. Really cool about Pierce. I mean, he's one of the all-time great Celtics. Wrapping up the show, thank you so much to our listeners. Thank you so much to Travis Demers of 1080 The Fan out in Portland. Had a great talk with him to help preview the game tonight. And remember, after that game, you can tune in to the Celtics post-game show on CLNS Radio, our flagship program. And Adam... Prediction for tonight. Our prediction for tonight, the Celtics win 97-92 over the Portland Trailblazers. 
And I will be joining the post-game show with uh, with them tonight with, with lucky numbers once again. Can't wait to hear it. I'm going to go Celtics 98, Portland 90. Sounds great. 